Hi, and welcome to Network AF. On this episode, I'm talking with my friend and once collaborator and hopefully future collaborator again, Dave Belson. Um, we're talking about data analysis, what's going on on the internet, um, and helping people understand all that. Um, uh, David, could you give us a little bit of a background in what you're doing now? Sure. So uh, I recently joined Cloudflare, uh, where I'm the head of data insight. Um, Cloudflare, for, for those who don't know, uh, our mission is to help build a better internet uh, by offering uh, a variety of content delivery, security, acceleration services. Uh, and my role right now is to help do that by using our data to communicate about what's going on in the internet. So, you know, when something goes, when something happens, an outage uh, or, or um, uh, you know, changes in protocol adoption, things like that, we want to be able to communicate about it and, and kind of inform the industry um, that this is what's happening out there. Cool. It's been interesting for me to see um, Cloudflare as they've grown. Uh, David Yulovich, who did OpenDNS, introduced me to Matthew back in, I think, 2009-ish. Um, uh, and um, we actually, it's when I was at Server Central, we actually gave the first six servers, I think, um, and then later introduced uh, a friend of mine who became a Kenta co-founder who ran ops there doing net booted containerized provisioning stuff. Um, I guess that could have been a startup, but um, <laughs> just used for technology. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see the more product led approach, but then you know, all the growth and, yeah, you know, no, it's also it's, interesting. thank you for helping us get started. <laughs> no worries. Um, but it's fascinating just to see the different approaches that you can take, not only to technology, to business, um, yep. you know, that, that people have there. Um, so, you know, back in the way back, um, uh, you've been in infrastructure for a while. Um, it's like when, when I started at Akamai and I think you predated me a little, a little bit, um, yep. you know, Akamai was just becoming the cool place where you know the brain sucking cool place in cambridge uh, massachusetts but you were at bbn which used to right. be the place that used to be the right. place everyone was like oh the mecca in the sky and right. you know uh doing cool stuff helping build the internet like how did you get into networking and how did you find you know your way into bbn i, I guess it's sort of i guess i'd have to say it started in college um so i went to uh stevens institute of technology uh, in beautiful hoboken new jersey which is actually not as bad as people like to joke it is. Um, but so I, I, I started there, I was a freshman in 1990. Um, so my first exposure there was probably to BitNet. Um, and uh, I remember we had um, payphones in the hallway and I had a friend up in uh, Amherst College. And so he was on BitNet also. So we were like running back and forth to the payphone we had Vax like, okay. or Unix or what, what uh, we had Vax cluster. Yeah, okay. we had a Vax cluster. Yeah. And uh, you know, all right, try sending it to this address. Try sending it to that address. We finally got it working. So it was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I think somebody somebody else showed me, you know, anonymous FTP. Um, and uh, so it just kind of grew from there. And this was, you know, arguably pre-web. Um, I, I do remember my first experience with the web was with the uh, the Stern Line Mode browser. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of played with it for probably 10 minutes or so. Like, this is like, this is hard to use. Like, this is not going to go anywhere. When, when I started, when I was doing the planning for my ISP in 92, uh, I tried using, I started in 92, earlier 92. I, I tried using www, which was not line yeah. by line, but I was just like, no, go for as much. <laughs> go for yeah. as, there's much more. Interesting. Library of Congress is on Gopher. Let's do that. So Yeah, I mean, th thankfully, it evolved pretty quickly from there because yeah. my, my bachelor's thesis was uh, on computer-mediated communication. So it was this, this book called The Network Nation that had been written about 20, about 20 years earlier, so in the mid-70s. And it was this projection of like, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll, you know, the network um, nation or the network nation? The, the network nation. Okay. Um, by Hilton Turoff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it, it sort of predated and, and you know, pre arguably predicted things like, you know, Usenet and uh, discussion boards and, uh, you know, all the things we take for granted these mm -hmm. days. Um, so my, my thesis was looking at uh, all the predictions that it made and saying, um, they were basically saying, you know, they were predicting them for roughly the mid 90s. So I went and took a look at them and said, okay, how many of them have come, come true? So, so in my thesis, there's you know, references to various news groups and to Vax notes and to, to um, 
you know, fax gateways. And I look back now and I'm like, holy cow, this is, you know, some of it survived, some of it didn't. And, and some of it we just don't even think about. You know? My then, personal passion is to uh, help anybody that wants to make Usenet the basis of Web3, um, you know, where we were point. dealing with these same questions about moderation and that that original like, oh, no, someone's wrong on the Internet. That was actually Usenet that they were talking about. At yes. Time. It's, it's, I mean, not to say that these are solved problems, but they're not new problems. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I was, I think got into it that way, um, moved to Boston to go to, uh, uh, Northeastern for grad school and was casting about for a job, like an internship or something, um, it, that spring of 95 and found an ad for, uh, BBN planet at the time. So that was their, uh, their internet subsidiary looking for people to do web stuff. Yeah. Um, they were spinning up a, a managed web hosting business. And I looked at the ad and I'm like, well, I've done four out of those five things. I've always wanted to learn Pearl. So I'm going to apply. And then Pearl. I realized it was like a bike ride away. I'm like, holy cow, the people who invented the internet are like, you know, two miles <laughs> from where I was living. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I joined there. And, you know, I think BBN was, was you know, littered with ex-DEC folks. And, and then ultimately Akamai was littered with ex-BBN folks. And MIT, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah but of course, right. There was the there, MIA right. board at Aqu at uh, the media at the sorry, the C yeah, Media Lab, yeah. uh, CS department, which was MIA missing in Akamai. <laughs> I think the week I joined Akamai, I think I was employed. They hired two hundred people. Oh and, wow. Uh, wow! Yeah, Infosec yeah. has gotten better. I think when the network people showed up, I plopped an uh, uh, I plopped a, a Wi-Fi gateway just like on a random Ethernet just so that we could. <laughs> Sure they love that. Air cards. <laughs> that was, I remember, um, uh, you know, looking at, I had pulled out at some point my, my algorithms book, uh, you know, the algorithms book and, and like opened it up. Oh, and through the, yep. Yep. And I was looking through the acknowledgements and I'm like, holy cow, like three quarters of these people that are acknowledged here work at Akamai. Well, I remember uh, it, was, it was funny. Uh, like the second week I was at Akamai, uh, Charles came up to me and said, like, Avi, did you know that the triangle inequality does not hold on the internet? Like, you mean that going indirectly can be faster than going directly along the hypotenuse? He's like, yes, exactly. It's like, oh, okay, yes, I do know that. Uh, frequently, we set static routes to go around, you know, peering when we were at, at Nanog and we need to get to our own networks. Like, you know, so I'm aware of that. But uh, it was just you know, like interesting, the different cultures, you know, you had to be you had to have had a computer science background if you wanted to be a network person working right. at Akamai so you could communicate with people. Um, and that, that ultimately, that realization ultimately turned into a product or yeah. I guess not a product, but a feature. About, yeah, it was a feature of the platform and then, you know, got pulled out. Um, but Bruce Mag and Bruce Mags was the coolest, uh, you know. Um, I, I had my BlackBerry and I had, um, I had uh, hacked the email client to send me something which procmail would use to do folders and that without running exchange okay and then he got the code i gave him the code and then he made it like you know he encrypted it you know just to like you know it was like hey i can still go too it's like yeah awesome <laughs> the network group actually started inside inside that uh inside the engineering for a little bit um before uh growing out of it so Data analysis, and I'm going to say analysis. We can talk about what that what insight means because right. you know there's data, and then there's making sense of it. Right. Um, uh, how did you get into that? From you know, um, uh, you know, more tech uh, hands-on work, and even sales engineering effectively and producting at you know at Akamai. Yep. Yeah. So that was this, the path I had come through was sales engineering, and then uh, into the product team. Uh, and I was uh, working for Brad Rinklin, a CMO uh, time, and uh, he called me to his office one day and he's like, shows me this presentation and says, hey, you know, I've been thinking about this and we've got a lot of, you know, we collect a lot of data. We've got a lot of, I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say collect, but, you know, the, the optimized services throw off a lot of data exhaust. We call, we call it the mapping uh, fumes, the fumes yeah. from, from mapping. The yeah, internet. basically. And it's like, you know, we should try to do something that we can give back to the community with it. So, okay, let me, you know, let me go take a look. So I you know, took a presentation, thought about it. And there was some, you know, came up some, we, we came up with some ideas about uh, you know, connection speed, connection quality, um, you know, outages, things like that. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Now I got to figure out where am I going to find this data? Like, you know, where does this live in Akamai? 
Mm-hmm. And somebody, it might've been you, I don't remember, but uh, said, hey, you know, there's this team here that, that does data analysis. Uh, I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, so they connected me with a couple of folks on the team, uh, went to talk to them and they said, oh yeah, you know, we, we, we analyze it this way and this way and you know, it can be sort of the, you know, the menu. And so we, we started out with a couple of things. The, the first, uh, it was ultimately what grew into the state of the internet. Right. Um, you know, the first um, issue uh, that we did back in um, Q1 2008, uh, I think didn't even have connection speed data. It was more like, I don't even know why we did it. It was, it was like IP, I think it was something to do with the, the number of IP addresses we saw by geography, like b- b- per capita. So I think the notion was, where were we seeing sort of more internet adoption right. Yeah. Uh, as a pro- or proxy for adoption, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on a, on a geographic level, and I think that that and, and then also I think we started looking at connection speeds, but in aggregate, uh, you know, we we defined I think um, what was it called low 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 band? I forget what it was called, but looking basically like uh, dial up uh, percentages uh, and then broadband percentages, and then what we called high broadband, which I think right. at the time was like ten megabits. <laughs> uh, and then as we as we evolved right. the report, we also evolved along with the FCC uh, right. definitions of, of broadband. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, uh, back in 2000, um, we got approached. Actually, they wanted to go meet with Danny, but Richard Clark uh, met with me and I showed him the knock and uh, was maybe a little visionary describing what some of our capabilities were to analyze the data. <laughs> and then six months later, there was a, uh, uh, you know, Booz Allen came in for it. There was a, a presidential tasking order to get a synoptic view of the internet from some guy named Avi. So we figured <laughs> that out. But now, obviously, Akamai never looked at customer data, but looking at the internet right. and name servers. And and actually, at the time, everyone was worried about the resolver, about the authoritatives. I was worried about the resolvers. You know, if those are on any casted, don't have enough capacity, um, then you know no one can resolve and get to websites. Um, and so, yeah, we had we had had uh, some of that going um, for trying to understand things uh, and protect. And so, eventually, um, state of the internet wound up having some security in terms of attack and DDoS and performance. Yep. I know. I apologize. Um, you know, when Kentic was starting, we talked about adding a trend in traffic and now we have Doug doing that. Um, but, uh, uh, we never, we never quite got that, got that going, but, uh, we, yeah, I mean, we, we, we incorporated a little bit. I had, I had incorporated, uh, what was it called internet events and outages, I think where using the aggregate traffic data, we were able to show, uh, when there was an outage, um, you know, or shut down in a given country. Um, and, and I remember Doug and I, when he was at Renesis, you know, we, we bounced things off of each other. Okay. We just saw this weird, you know, traffic shift here or here, you know, did you see the same thing in BGP or, uh, or, or vice versa? Uh, we also looked at, um, I think it was real. I got my first taste of like how real world events, not outages, but, but actual events can, can be, um, seen through traffic. So I think it was the, uh, Obama's first inauguration. We were able to look at, at probably streaming traffic on the platform, okay. uh, and you know we, we were able to chart and say show that that as the inauguration went on, you know traffic went up and up and up, and then I think as soon as he finished speaking and the poet laureate took over, you know started yeah. like the traffic just fell off a cliff, and it was sort of interesting to see that. And I think we also had looked at e-commerce traffic, aggregate e-commerce traffic at the time as well, and you could see e-commerce traffic dropping. As the inauguration went on, and then at some point, as the inauguration finished, e-commerce traffic came back up. Twenty so years ago, it was Steve Jobs and Victoria's Secret, uh, but yep. you didn't compare those events to those. Those were no longer. I, I no, I was. Uh, I, I'm trying to think if I was even there at that point. Um, I must have been, but I think I was busy being an SE and not paying a lot of attention to that side of right. the house. Yeah, no, that was. I, I mean, I had started in October. I guess you started in May, so or, yep. or yeah, so. Um, yeah, no, that is, um, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I'll just share one story. So when, uh, you know, in the nineties, I got confused as a sysadmin trying to understand networking. I just started teaching people about BGP and people are like, Oh, you know, what's this question about XNA 
uh, you know, and 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 uh, X25, SNA and X25 and and Apple Talk and how do you do all this stuff? It's like, I don't have a CCIE. They're like, but you have to have a CCIE. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, but they would, uh, and, and you know, I don't, I mean, you know, I know some stuff and I can talk about it, but at Akamai, I just, I felt like an imposter because I would go out and I sort of understood how websites okay. are built and I know coding and I know sysadmin and I knew what Akamai did, but I couldn't, you know, like tell you how to do it with metadata and all that. And right. uh, I remember, uh, cause you were a technical consultant, you know, it was a sales engineering basically. And I remember when Danny took over the product group, he made all the product people take the, TC oh, the test. test. Yes. And Danny was like, oh, you'd be able to do it fine. I'm like, Danny, no, you have no idea. Like, no, I just, I just bullshit well. And like, I have a, I have the connected understanding of what you can do, but and, I wouldn't you, know how You know to enough to be dangerous and you have, you know enough to be dangerous and you have the confidence to talk about it. I think right. that's, well, the, that's the thing, you know, I tried to explain to people like you can do it too. Like you don't have to go do all that. But uh, so I mad props. Cause I saw that TC master test and I was like, that that's, really I, I remember, I don't, I think I was a TC manager by the time we started doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I, I, the only, the only recollection I have of it was flying to, it was a hotel somewhere like all the tc managers came together in a hotel somewhere that evan had insisted was halfway between the east coast and the west coast it was like a two-hour flight from san francisco like a five-hour flight from <laughs> if that's possible right uh and and i remember that uh i was smart enough to make my section multiple choice so i was done marking my section in a matter of hours yeah. Uh, but there was, I forget who it was, one of the other TC managers had made theirs basically like an essay or multiple essay right. questions. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> so was, they were stuck all there. I think they literally pulled an all nighter to get it all marked. But yeah, that was, uh, that, that was uh, a big thing at Akamai. Yes. I don't, I don't know if they still do it or not. But I guess, I, I don't know. I don't know either. But I guess the underlying point is even if you're not, uh, I wouldn't say master anymore, but you, even if you don't have, uh, complete familiarity with the material. Um, if you put your head into it and start banging your head against it, like yeah. when, I mean, what you're doing right now, um, there was a, that was how Doug, Jim did it by learning and I did it by learning. And then Jim taught, Jim Cowie at Renesis taught Doug and answered his questions. And um, I remember you certainly uh, had the attention of the network group and other people who, you know, were supporting. That's been the great part is, is having those folks around me that can help. You know, I know that I, I can't do it myself uh, and I've never claimed to, uh, but, but building that, that group of that, that, that support team who has access to the data, who has the ability to write those big hairy SQL queries uh, and then can explain to you, okay, here's why this, here, here's why what you think you're looking for is not what you're looking for. And mm -hmm. we should approach it this other way. Um, so helping me, you know, helping me think that way. And I think maybe even more importantly, um, treating me as an equal, uh, I think that is one of the things I found uh, at both BBN and Akamai was that there were people there who were infinitely smarter than me, yes. uh, but were willing to have that conversation with me as an equal. Uh, I think for me, that's, that's one of those really important things. I, I laugh not because I think that everyone's infinitely smarter, but or just more accomplished. Like you look at people that have done such foundational things, you know, like I could never do that. And the truth is you probably could if that's what you really wanted to do, but it would take time. You have the focus and that, yeah. Yeah, no, generally I would say, um, all I know is people that work at BBN and I was only there a couple of times, but um, Aaron Block, who went to Akamai, yeah. told a story about challenging John Curran, who now runs Aaron. <laughs> Uh, you know, and not letting him in the knock because he didn't have his badge and was dressed in jeans and whatever. And he thought he was going to get fired, you know, because the, oh no, I've, I've challenged the CTO of the company. And John's that, like, hey man, that's, that's what, what you're the supposed rules say. To do. That's what the rules say. I can't do the Boston accent, but you know, like, hey man, that's <laughs> what you're supposed to do. So, um, so, you know, you mentioned collaboration outside the company. Um, you know, I've seen this in, um, networking overall, where there's often co-opetition. Um, yeah. It sounds like you've had an okay time of uh, even people where in some sense you could be competing for the scoop or, um, uh, you know, or, or, or just generally competing, collaborating with. Is that because uh, there's something different or because everyone has their different take on it? Like, what would you, what would you I, say? I'd say yes. You know, yes to both of those where uh, I think different organizations uh, or companies are often collecting, uh, 
you know, different different data sets that may be similar in nature, but but you know, slightly different. Uh, and I think the you know, yeah, maybe we're all competing in some sense, but we also all want to get it right if we're going to put something out there. So one of the challenges is often um, when you see something particularly anomalous in your in your in your graphs, uh, knowing is that a thing or is that uh, you know a database. Burp. Yeah, there's bugs. Uh, you know, did, did something get written into the database twice for some reason, or or not at all for some reason? Uh, and and figuring out, okay, you know, okay, we saw this, uh, you know, in, in, in my company and, and this other, you know, contact and this other company saw it another way. Um, so I think that's you know, we we all want to do the right thing, and I think it's 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 you know, yes, we all want to be first to post about it, um, but I think we also all want to. Um, be confident in what we're posting is that the, the delicate balance of, of, of speed versus accuracy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, so I guess you could almost have, maybe that'd be a fun combo blog post for, for uh, you and Doug and like the, the, the set of things that could be the noise, which might make right. you think their signal from, as you said, double, double writing to not writing to, you know, the early keynote stuff where agents would, would, you know, DOS themselves and, and you know, you'd be trying to debug it. And it turns out it was just an agent that scheduled everything to run at the same time to, uh, uh, to bugs in the software to, uh, you know, that do the telemetry to, uh, I don't know, any other fun categories of, uh, of, uh, of missed anomalies. Um, I don't know. I think. I, mean, I think that the the challenge. I think one of the big challenges right now continues to be geolocation. Mm -hmm. So, it's when you find those anomalies, uh, you know, figuring out you know where where they really occurred. Uh, you know, yes, they occurred on the internet or in a network somewhere, but trying to tie that back to the real world. Any geolocation that updates once a day is always wrong. Uh, you know, I, well, it's it's generally not. It's generally fuzzy, anyways. Like right, right. And you're only going to get so good, but but the level yeah. of granularity that I think we tend to want is really <laughs> not available at that in that in that technology right. space. Yeah, not unless you're in your Tesla, <laughs> you know, or IoT, or you know, uh, other things where, and even then, it could be proxied through. But then again, right. there's latency techniques to you know to help see that. So. Yeah, that's always been a really foundational piece of, of what so many of us are doing. Uh, and, and I think it's one of those parts of the industry where there hasn't been enough innovation. There hasn't been um, it, a lot of uh, a lot of light shine on it. And we have this as a product challenge at Kentic too, yep. where if you're not careful, you know, you can see something that's data. And it is an answer to the question that you asked, but it, but mm -hmm. the question you asked may not be the question you think you were asking, uh, because computers, of course, are very literal uh, in right. what they do. So um, you gotta you gotta really think about that accurately, um, and uh, and before you draw conclusions. But then then you also have to take this what's going on in the digital world and try to turn it into what's going on in the physical world where right. the infrastructure may not be what you think it is. And um, as it sounds like there's also research not into the unique data set that you might have and not just collaborating or, or, or corroborating with others, uh, mm -hmm. things that are seen, but uh, can it be hard to track down sort of what's the digital footprint of something that you think is happening online? It, that, yeah, that, that is a big issue and it's, because you, you, it's easy to see the change in the graph, um, but to your point, it, it's much harder. To, in many cases, I should say, it's much harder to tie that back to what's what, what ultimately caused that change in the graph. You know, in some cases, we know uh, that it's it's um, you know election time in a country that's got a history of messing with the internet, uh, or that there was a big storm, you know, a big typhoon in this country. And uh, or, or you know, well publicized power outages somewhere, right. and uh, you know, so you can oftentimes say, okay, we know there's a typhoon that just you know made land in, in, in this this country. Oh, look, um, you know, internet traffic or or the routes or recently or whatever, Tonga, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but but even that, it was uh, you know, I'm trying to remember which came first, like the recognition that the internet had fallen off, or the fact that people saw the 
right. volcano right. erupt. Uh, right. But yeah, so in, in, in those large scale cases, um, it, it is often a fairly short path between you know change in graph and, and identification of real world event. Um, I think it's in the smaller cases, the more localized cases, where we're seeing something that occurs on a particular network, uh, or we're seeing something in a, a state or a city, um, and that's where you really, I think, have to go sleuthing and and trying to find you know news articles or social media or things like that. Um, when I was uh, after Oracle, when I was doing um, the Internet Disruption Report blog, uh, I would I would try to track down a lot of those those sorts of uh, outages and disruptions I saw. Localized, and, regional. Yeah, and and the challenge was that I'd see you know using various tools, I see oh the the traffic dropped on uh, this particular network, so I'd go try to find out you know what happened. I say oh good you know Avinet has a, a Facebook page. And then I look at the Facebook page and say, yeah, but they haven't posted since 2007. Yeah, so it was like it was, and they, you know, they they have they have the Twitter account, but it's never been used. Right. You know, it's just so one of those things where some some of the providers are really good about posting status updates or about replying to inquiries. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of times I had to explain, no, actually, I don't live in Tonga. I'm, right. I'm living outside the country and trying to understand what caused this problem on your network that I observed. Um, but you know, that's. You can't always find the the, the root cause or or some yeah. some semblance of a root cause. Yeah, no, yeah, it's interesting though that it's a hybrid, um, so uh, needing to do go beyond you know just the the data that we see from internet senses and fumes sometimes to right. figure out what what the root cause is, and even just. Um, Especially something you mentioned, and something that um, you know comes up a lot in anomaly detection. The something isn't there that usually is. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That can be uh, again, even even like if the Beltway in DC is not busy on a Monday mm-hmm. morning and it's not a holiday, then that's probably really bad. Um, unless it's COVID, in which case, you know, I guess we understand. That's yeah, and especially when we're analyzing traffic shifts for for things like outages and disruptions. Um, it, it's understanding how do you tell when something is not like it's supposed to be mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, figuring out, do you compare it to just that time the past day or what mm-hmm. Mondays are usually like, or, you know, and, the, and there's all the accounting, you know, oh, but it's, but it's, you know, X, Y, Z Monday and it's a holiday. So that's why it's down. But, right. you know, the alerts are still triggering anyway, because traffic's not where it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, a hard problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, operational products you have to work in seasonality and things like that and to some extent you can use humans a little bit um you know to help with that too you have data you can analyze it making sure that the data actually um, is complete and and you're asking the right questions try to correlate it you have maybe you corroborate it with other other people doing data analysis and then you have to explain it. Right. Um, and one of the issues I always have is I, I always need to have this little little obvious saying, no, no, give the idea of the answer. Don't don't lecture about like every little thing. <laughs> but you know, no one cares about the this BGP thing. And oh, isn't that fascinating about how meds work? And like, you know, you have to tell a story. And um, any how do you, how do you go about that? Well, you know, you think something has happened. You have these reasons to believe it technically and, and how it correlates, um, right. but you have to up-level that and, and explain it. And, or as, as we say in, inside Kentic, the so what, um, but you know, mm-hmm. you need, they need to understand it and then put that into context. So how do you, how do you go about that? Yeah. I mean, this, the so what's important uh, because throwing up a page with a pile of graphs is interesting to some set of people, but if you really want to get somebody to understand what's happening or, uh, or, or more importantly, why it's happening, um, that's what you need to get to. Um, I, I, and there's, a, there, I think you need to be careful. You need to be careful around not going too far into the weeds, like you, like you just said. Um, it really, I think, it really depends on what what you're trying to show. Uh, you know, sometimes you can, um, you know, set up the thesis and, and you know, show the chart, the graph, explain what it shows. Uh, and then talk about the impact of it. Um, so I think that's one of the things that that oftentimes we maybe do a mixed job of doing 
you know, among among the community of folks who who follow the um, internet outages and shutdowns is, um, you know, yes, this happened here, but what was the impact? What did it mean that that you know all these folks were cut off from the internet for an hour or for a month or for you know whatever it is? Um, I think that bringing it into the personal bringing it into the personal, I think, helps provide that context for it. Right, or early COVID, poor performance, low bandwidth means you can't right. work and have kids get educated, and that's a problem, right? right? Yeah, so, and that was a big, yeah, I mean, that was a big thing, and, and you know, we, I think many of us, you know, are in a position where we don't think about that. We've got our, you know, multi-hundred megabit connection from, you know, our, our local cable or or you know, telecom provider and phone but, backup, two phones backups. I've got Sprint and Verizon and you know, I'll go and, you know, you're way more advanced than I am, but you know, but there's, again, there are still the kids who are taking their laptops and sitting outside of McDonald's or a library or something yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. We don't, we don't always think about that, but you know, those are the stories where like, that's the kind of stuff where, where data can help tell that story and say, Hey, you know, connection speeds in this geography are not, <clears throat> to the point where they need to be to be able you know both both upload and download uh mm-hmm. to enable you know zoom learning or or google meet learning or or you know zooms or or meets for for work or whatever mm-hmm. so in your career i also guess recently and you know over time have you dealt much with um uh, press and analysts or is it more marketing um so so any tips for building relationships and making it more natural and not, you know, not, I have this thing, which uh, I want you to promote my company for me. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's, I think the important thing there in building those relationships is, is demonstrating expertise. Um, so, so not only personally, um, cause that's what gets them coming back, but also for the company or the organization that you represent. Um, you know, these may be no brainers, but it's, it's the kind of thing where, uh, you know, if you've shown that, Hey, we as this organization have this kind of insight, you know, in Cloudflare, we have this sort of insight into what's happening on the internet. And I can represent that in a way that you can understand and that you can then uh, explain to, you know, use this context or explain to your readers uh, or your audience. Uh, I think that's the way you build the relationships and you, you get them coming back that way. Um, I think part of the challenge there though is, is, instantiating those relationships. So obviously that's what PR teams uh, are, are there to support. But I think having a, um, an active uh, and intelligent social presence uh, as well, uh, it, it really helps there. Because you know, I think a lot of times the journalists will say, hey, this, this person has been out there tweeting uh, or, or LinkedIning on um, you know, a particular topic. And uh, I'm going to reach out to them to see if they can provide some data or some commentary on this mm-hmm. internet event that just happened. So does it mean you can, once you choose your profession that you're in, you can never change your cell phone number? <laughs> Isn't that what Google Voice is for? I guess. Keep the yeah. cell phone numbers forever. That's right. Um, I have four Google Voice numbers from different numbers wow. that I thought I would never change. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had mine since uh, this particular one I've had since the early Akamai days. Um, that's why I know those spam calls because the, 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 the call will come in from the yeah, six, certain prefix in 617. Yeah. And I'm like... It's it's unlikely to be any of the three people I know that probably still have an early Akamai yeah. cell phone. So I'm just going to let it go to voicemail. So surprising. They don't give you the option to block the NPA NXX or send it, you know, that, that your phone is in. But I'd uh, love to do that, especially my home phone, which I look at, you know, 99% wait, wait, of the calls I'm we sorry, get. Say is that like, once again. What did you say? What kind of phone do you have? You mean the cell phone on your desk at home? Is that what you're talking about? The, the cordless phone sitting in my kitchen. Ah, the 911 uh, anchor. So it, com- it comes with FiOS. I, yeah, right. I <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I technically have uh, a Comcast phone. That it's it's I the number I still give out in many I don't cases have because I don't really it, want spam calls on my cell phone. So I just right. like, you know, for for from if if you if you don't really need my my phone number, I'm giving you my home phone number. Oh wow. Okay. That's just easier to ignore. Okay. I just you know get a get a Google Voice and you get the. <laughs> the hilarious transcripts there must be so like there's the people of walmart there must be like a hilarious transcripts uh from voicemail <laughs> transcripts website somewhere i need to i need to take a look, for that. To look if not it's an opportunity yeah so um another thing that i've 
done that I think has been helpful over time is if if I'm talking to someone um, from whether it's press or maybe an industry analyst and, and we're not the source, point them to someone mm-hmm. that might be. In fact, um, that's not how Doug got hired at at Kentic, but he was at Oracle and someone wanted data well, it was COVID was going on. People wanted data about right. the traffic side that they weren't seeing and, you know, pointed it over. And ultimately it helps, it helps build a relationship where, you know, you're not always trying to promote you. It's like, Hey, I can introduce you to someone who actually really knows that I, I think I know, but I don't really, you know, whether it's an expert or someone with data that uh, could be really helpful too. Absolutely. No, it's actually a great point too, is, is um, knowing what you don't know. And, and knowing who probably knows it. And I think it's also to that, to that point, it's, it's a great way to build the relationships with not only the press and the analyst community, but those, those backend folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, referring between organizations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The it, it's tough in what we do. And I talk with Doug about this also, because sometimes the things that make the best stories, we're not hoping that they will happen. We're not hoping mm-hmm. there will be more. We're hoping for COVID. We're not hoping for internet shutoffs. I don't even know what adjectives to use to describe some of the stuff that's going on today. But with that as backdrop, I will ask, what's the favorite story you know that you've worked on helped with? It was actually not a, uh, not a trauma. Okay. No, no, yeah, no. It was it was not an internet event story. Uh, oh. A call had come in to to Akamai PR, and they said uh, they're they looking for somebody to talk about uh, submarine cables. And um, so, you know, the PR team turned to me and said, "Hey, can you can you talk to them about this?" Uh, I think it was I once it was for the Atlantic. I don't remember offhand, um, but I said, "Yeah, you know, I'll I'll talk to them. I should be able to answer the questions." And so we were talking about you know submarine cables and how they work, and and we started talking about uh, you know how they're protected uh, from from damage. And I you know was talking about how. Uh, you know, sometimes the 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 shacks where they come ashore. You know, sometimes there are you know data centers with armed guards and so on, uh, and the cables themselves have you know multiple layers of of um, sheathing and and so on. I said, but there are, there are no sharks with lasers down there or anything like that. And I just it was an offhanded comment. I uh, didn't realize that I was was channeling Austin Powers uh, until after the fact. And then the article got published. I think the next day or the next week or whatever it was. And the headline was something to the effect of like no sharks with lasers. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like I can't believe they did that. And the PR team is never going to let me talk to a reporter again. Um, but no, luckily no the Akamai PR team had a good sense of humor and it was like, nope, cool, no problem. Well, at Kentech, it's funny you mentioned the Atlantic because I, uh, again, with, with when COVID was going on, I talked with Charles Fishman and I, I really like the narrative the people that tell stories, mm-hmm. you know, um, the news is important, but it's really fun to read someone's take when they're really weaving it into a story. And um, it makes uh, it more personal. It was entertaining um, uh, when, um, uh, you know, I, I worked with some of that in the 90s. But then during COVID, I, I, this article starts almost starts with a quote from me. It's like, oh, my God, says Avi Friedman, which is not <laughs> I don't. <laughs> talk like that but he he uh what was it he said uh so, so it's oh my god it would be all over uh, you know says you oh, know, I, do, I remember that article about you know it's like what if the internet died it's like i don't even remember saying that but i'm sure it's true but it's not that we go around alarmist but you know right the, there's i don't you know you can ask questions and then get responses and that's uh you know it's interesting so i guess that's that's up there um, with uh, some of the telecosm stuff that I was in where, you know, um, I think that it was, um, it was a while. Ago. I was I, I probably said it, but it was taken out of context when I said that uh, uh, Bob Metcalf was an elder statesman doing more harm than good. What that was when he said the Internet was going to go or like be destroyed. Well, right. At that point in time. Yeah. And then he called me a brash young brat wet behind my pa- <laughs> ISP brat wet behind my packets. And I was like, OK, whatever. But I wasn't trying to pick a fight. It was just um, George Gilder just thought that he, he took this thing, which was about, you know, I just thought it was bullshit. I thought, you know, BGP had all these problems right. and we can skip the technology. Oh, it, was, it, was click, it was clickbait for or whatever clickbait yes, it was. was clickbait at the time. Early, it wasn't early. like top 10 things, top 10 things that will kill the internet, but it was still, um, but I'll, maybe I'll have to see if I can get sharks with lasers in there somewhere. Uh, so, <laughs> Or submarines with 
wire cutters or i remember doug humphrey's more likely these days description of you know of of birds as you know two-year-olds with wire cutters you know super smart you know <laughs> going around and cutting things so um what's the most do you have any favorite um uh question you've been asked or uh you know i think it, probably when i was doing state of the internet and doing the um the interviews for that um we we'll talk to a lot. We, each quarter, we come out with, "Hey, here are the new rankings. Which is fastest?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, press would ask, uh, reporters would ask, uh, "You know, hey, the U.S. invented the internet. How come we're not the fastest?" And it was sort of this interesting, like, "Okay, let me explain capitalism to you, and why the big telecom providers are not going to invest in bringing fiber everywhere." Uh, you know, if they don't have a clear ROI for it. And, you know, was, I mean, it was, you know, as opposed to other countries where the government has said. Yeah, I, I would know, say if the government decides it's important, then they sub, then they then, supplement. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a mandate or, 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 or support, you know, in, in other countries, the government has said thou shalt, you know, bring speeds, uh, connections with speeds of X to every, you know, house uh, or apartment or whatever. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, here's, money to help do it. In some of these cases, the, the telecom there also spun out of the government. You know, they used right. to be the state-backed telco and then they became independent, some but the government said, we're going to help you do it. Some some take it from a view of a human right and some view it as a strategic, you know, they just make a strategic bet economically. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, um, Europe a little bit more human right historically, Asia a little bit more economic, but th- that's right. not simply, that's not clear cut true either, you know, and often it's for both. Right. Any I mean, and especially the, the U.S. with the, the, the geographic challenges also just in yeah. high oh, speed yeah. connectivity. I, I was in Brazil for 14 hours once when I was at Akamai and uh, and requested uh, I come down and talk with Embratel and we got the result that we wanted bandwidth wise. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting into the wilds of Brazil with radio into the ta- into the, you know, is even more challenging. Yeah, you're not going to be able to run fiber everywhere. Yeah, in the U.S., you know, there wherever you're going, basically, eventually there would have been fiber. Maybe that wasn't clear in 1996, but um, you know, would eventually be needed. So, are there any questions that you, I won't say hate, but uh, are not as much a fan of that you get a lot? Not really. I, okay. I mean, I think that they're all, you know, they're all asked uh, with with good intention, right? Um, you know, foundation. Maybe questions. I don't know the answers to them. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, as you do the analysis, um, I'm curious because, uh, Cloudflare has done some really cool stuff, um, with the learning center. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work in, in, in that regards too at Kentech. I've been, I've been super impressed with, with that. You could take a look at it. Um, you know, you can learn about BGP and DDoS and all sorts of things. And then also radar, which I think predated when you joined, but, um, uh, you know, it was interesting. And of course, Sedexis has done some stuff and, you know, other people have done things, but um, Cloudflare's done a pretty good job of making it interactive. Any grand plans or or, or vision um, for uh, that, your work will work with that? Yeah, so that's that's one of the, the parts of my role is to help uh, help evolve Radar. Um, I was, I think with the Internet Society when they launched it and, uh, you know, saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is what I've always wanted to launch. You know, something which just brings together um, a whole lot of, of insight about, you know, various bits and pieces of, of the internet. Um, so I think we're, we're working on um, thinking about, the, you know, what, what does the future of radar look like? Uh, you know, what additional um, content and data sets can we incorporate into it? Um, you know, thinking about uh, cycle times, you know, what needs to be real-time-ish, what can be updated, you know, daily or weekly or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and of course, there's all the, the you know, figure, then, then once you kind of think about all that, thinking about the the, um, the, 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 the core data analysis piece. Okay, we want to do all this, but, you know, you have the data uh, at, you know, at this sampling level, and then uh, you want to look at it in all these different ways. There's all this cardinality to it. You know, we don't want to, build something that's going to make the, you know, the underlying systems explode. Um, so, so thinking about that, um, and then thinking about also not only the, the radar uh, tool itself, but uh, I'm also working on, you know, plans for uh, regular reports. So how do we take, uh, 
uh, like for instance, they've got the quarterly DDoS report uh, at, at Cloudflare. Um, how do we take that and then build that out for other right. similar areas? And then are there other sort of longer form content pieces that we can put together that are that are data driven? Interesting. So I, Stay, stay tuned, I guess, is the ultimate answer. Okay. We'll see if uh, we can convince the Cloudflare marketing department to link to the resources we're building there. But um, again, complimentary, but uh, um, it's uh, very cool what you all have done. Look forward to it. Um, we're thinking about tools and looking glasses and all that. But yeah. um, I think you've probably had to deal with some of these issues again, maybe before you started. There's also a limit to how much you can show because yes. we, have, we all have... Uh, a duty to protect um, confidentiality and PII, you know, customer data. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, and doing it all with yeah, you know, always doing all of this with aggregate data. Yeah. Yes, please never say anonymized because you can't really anonymize. <laughs> Obfuscated aggregate; those are all things you can do. And then ultimately, um, you know, I, when I talk with academics, I'm just like, look, state of the art is you eyeball it, and a human makes an opinion about you know, could someone mm -hmm. reasonably. You joked about Avinet, but yeah, I mean, I have multi-home networks and you could, if someone has one prefix and it's a BGP thing on the internet yep, and you have any source of major CDN or network, you could tell whether they're home or not if you want to rob them or do something else. Uh, right. or, you know, uh, there's the, at some level you can't, but it's pretty broad understanding that IP addresses and things are our PII and, you know, even, even, even in many ways aggregates. So um, any, anything you would love to see the internet data and analysis and storytelling community um, do this year, you know, near future that we haven't been? Um, I mean, I'd like to get back to seeing people again, <laughs> <That'd be laughs> nice. out of my house. Um, you know, uh, I think that there's, there's some definitely some good conferences uh, that go on around that, like the Internet Measurement Conference. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that one is, I think, arguably more academic, but, um, you know, bring, trying to maybe maybe trying to bring together. I've done this once at Akamai. Uh, I tried to bring together a, uh, an inside baseball for Internet Measurement. Yeah. Um, with with Doug and some of the Renesis folks and some of the Maxline folks because they were local. And I, I forget who else was there. I did that once. Also. Well, Dying used to do the DNS inside baseball. Right. Okay. I think Kyle Kyle helped support uh, the okay. the effort that I did. Um, but I think you know maybe maybe something where it's it's folks who are not quite so academic, um, and you know figuring out how we can do a better job across the industry of, of, you know, sharing insights and sharing, potentially sharing data, um, you know, if that's a practical thing, um, you know, love to, to, you know, maybe see the industry come together and this is, you know, probably an uphill battle, but like maybe some common data formats, uh, you know, to, to be able to say, so, so that there's some trusted third party in internet right. society like party where everybody can say, here's our data about X, Y, Z. And it's, you know, so, so they can aggregate it from Kentic and from Cloudflare and from Akamai and from whoever else has those sorts of measurements um, and provide a more comprehensive view of, of what's going on. Well, I have been involved in the recent CADA conferences and yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a tough problem. Um, the thing I've been pushing on that I really would love to see is um, subject to being able to do so in privacy respecting ways, have some understanding of relative importance of IP address ranges, prefixes, because often people mm. look at, you know, BGP is the thing which everyone can look at, but they assume that every prefix is created equal, or as you were saying, per capita traffic per IP address or whatever. Right. Um, and you know where we might start is um, there are some algorithms that let you take some traffic on a part of a network plus the topology and sort of deduce. And maybe again, with customer buy-in, we could validate some of those models. And then that helps people you know, use that. Maybe we could you know, validate that you know, with uh, Kenta customer buy-in. Um, and then and the and academics there can that. use that for other, you know, for other purposes or, but, you know, it's a tricky problem. Um, and then reproducibility or the word longitudinal, which means, you know, sort of over time, you know, also right. um, is something that, that the academic folks are, are, are working on. But, um, you know, 
keep all the data for paper. Now, if Kentic does something where the result is privacy respecting, but the data underneath might not be, then again, that becomes a challenge. But yeah. let's just say trace route data not involving any private agents. So I get mm -hmm. some VPSs and I'm just trace routing from Linode, now Akamai, to, to DigitalOcean and uh, IBM to name three, you know, uh, three that I like. Um, you know, that's not, there's no issue there. That data could be, right. you know, that data could be archived and Ripe does that with their data. And, you know, those are yep. things being actively looked at too. Now, the scope of the data is pretty large, but then again, cloud lets you do, you know, if you have money, do stuff with pretty large data pretty fast. So, right. Um, any wish list for internet infrastructure, you know, or, or industry folks, not the data sharing side, you know, over the next year or two? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Um, I think that, I mean, hopefully, you know, governments stop shutting down the internet. Uh, yeah, I'd love yes. to. I'd love to not have to focus on that, and, and yes. you know, makes good uh, stories, but that's not how we want to get good stories. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, as far as the infrastructure side, you know, looking forward to the results of uh, you know the efforts in the U.S. to help fund uh, improve broadband deployment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd like to be able to get back to doing another um, connection speed, connection quality focused report. So, you know, just to, to see ultimately the, uh, the impact of those investments. That'd be great. I am, um, we're thinking about what we can do at Kentic to uh, help people along the RPKI journey. If you're a customer, we have mm. a whole workflow about it. Like see, you know, this is what will drop if you turn on validation of different, mm. you know, by different types. But how could we could even do that in an open way? Uh, we have some open source stuff that actually does traffic analysis and could plug in um, and, and help people with that. And then I'd love to see us get to path validation. Um, you know, I'm glad we started and it's, uh, you know, we have customers that are working, in fact, transit, some of the big wholesale networks that are, that are customers that, you know, that uh, are, are focusing on BCP 38, you know, for its source address violation, which, which isn't the primary problem, but it is, is used um, is used in DDoS, is used, um, you know, volumetrically um, and, or just people that have open reflectors. Um, sometimes we get put in an awkward position where someone's like, hey, Kenta, can you tell your other customer, you know, they're bad and you need to do this. But, um, you know, there's ways we can do it and say, look, we have these dashboards and we have to notice this, but then, you know, there's only so pushy we can be. But right. um, at the same time, um, it's a little embarrassing as an infrastructure person that we've known We've had these issues with the infrastructure for, we've known about them well for 20 years. We've yes. had them for forever, you know, for right. years. But, you know, that was the, originally the design was I could tell that to a mail server and mail and send mail to you from God. And that was like, ha ha, but it's But, you know, as the internet becomes more production ready, it's, uh, it's time that we dealt with these things. So I will admit to having done something like that a few times, probably. That was how we, I mean, you know, it, used, it still is too much of a guild system, which I've talked about with other guests and we won't get into, but the way I was forced to reverse engineer that was I got email from God. And I was like, <laughs> how did that happen? Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think I went to Shul uh, last week. So, um, and, uh, and, uh, and then I was like, wait, let me look at the protocol. Let me, I mean, that used to be the way that uh, people did it. And so it's nice that we have much more education, some of the books uh, behind me uh, that you can actually- Yeah, yeah I've been looking at them, trying to figure out which ones I have. I, I think I have a couple <laughs> of them, but not, not a lot of them. Do you have a Telebit Trailblazer modem that was, uh, I didn't use BitNet, I was using UECP, so you got to- I, I, I don't, unfortunately. I have, I do have, so I do have my my bin of uh, early internet ephemera, uh, okay. like my 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 Netscape uh, transistor radio and, uh, Somewhere I, I have Wongong no, software, TCP IP software, I, I, and buttons, you know. I have my my collection of, of you know, eight, eight floppy disks to install CompuServe and, uh, yeah. you know, although I started making little boxes out of those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a lot of that kind of stuff that I really probably should throw out. I also have a computer. Oh, no, 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 send it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll buy I, it. I, I, I think you still have my Vectrex, actually. I do, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work, but you have it. 
Um, I, I do. I have a complete set of, of Wired magazines, actually, uh, as well. Um, although they've gotten thinner and thinner and thinner over the years, yes. which is, makes me sad. But I think next year is 30 years for them. So I, I have this, this grand vision of somehow finding enough free time each month to go through Oh yeah, that'd be cool. You know that month's historical uh, issue, and I don't know if it's look at the articles or for me it's probably less the articles, more the ads. Yes, and and, and look at you know um, what companies are not around anymore, what's happened to these companies. You know, even even during the conversation today, referencing so many companies that just don't exist anymore. Uh, I have news and, for you. I want to do that with Byte Magazine, which I have multiple complete collections of. And I bet you could do the same thing with Byte where they were talking about networking and risk computing yep. and AI and all this stuff. And you could, not the companies, but more the ideas. And you could say we're still. Well, you were you were either in or on the cover of Wired, right? Yeah, for, so um, that was funny for, for Sealand, you know, where we're yes. doing uh, Haven Co. Uh, yes. um, uh, so I, I went was to an visit. airport where I saw that. And I was like, wait a minute, I know him. <laughs> well, Gail was too, to be fair. So, and and so. Uh, I visited one of my VC's uh, partners and loaned him an MSI, which I think he still has. Or, I forget it was an Altair. No, it was an Altair, not an MSI. Um, uh, he saw my storage area, which Gail calls Amos, obvious museum of shit. And um, along one wall were unopened boxes. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, Gail's attitude is what kind of moron buys a box and buys something and doesn't open it. And, uh, but this, this VC, he got me. He was like, that's so awesome. You have like an infinite supply of Christmas presents. It's like things you know you will love because you bought them for yourself that you can open. And, you know, so I was like, hey, when you, you open like them, they lose value. But when I went to his office, he had the complete set of wire and I was like walking over to the 2000. He's like, I get people to do that, you know, the, you know, because he has people, you know, he knows people that have been around for a while. So um, uh, we'll get Kentuck on there. We, we've been in wired from Doug's work, but we'll, we'll get Kentuck, yep. uh, you know, hopefully it could be Doug. It doesn't need to be me, you know, on the cover. So uh, uh, we'll get that. But if you, before, be cool. before you consider throwing them out, um, you know, let me know. It's like, I have a, yeah, no, I, I, I will probably keep them. Of every sun workstation up to the 4,500, every sun, including a sun two up to the 4,500, but not the E10K uh in in virginia um that someone wow. donated to me because his wife was like <laughs> <laughs> like i'll yeah, pay the, out storage. Of the house now i'll pay the storage yes um so so um last question well uh, second for last question any advice you would give um your younger self whether it's uh entering bbn <laughs> or in college or probably i think probably two things uh i think one would have been useful for college and, and beyond which is um to get my hands dirtier uh, you know, I think a lot of the folks that I've interacted with in the industry have had the opportunity to manage a network, or like you've said on past episodes, uh, you know, talking about breaking things, yeah. uh, you know, breaking the internet. I never, I've never gone to that point of, of, you know, really, you know, configuring a network or doing something with routing. Um, you know, I've got a CS degree, but I've not really kept with my, my, my ability to code. Um, you know, I definitely, um, which had done a better job there over the years. Um, I think the second piece, you know, probably professionally is, is wish I had found a mentor earlier on uh, and, and really, you know, had somebody who could help me, you know, figure out what I was doing, uh, help guide me, you know, into maybe new areas um, and, uh, you know, help me help introduce me to the right folks. I think I've done a great job of building a network. I think, you know, that places I've been have been fantastic for that. Uh, but but somebody you know with a little bit more um, experience and, and knowledge helping kind of push me in a given direction I think would have certainly been useful as well. It can be difficult because when you're earlier in career, you sort of think of you know you're learning the environment. You need to ask permission, yeah, and then hopefully you're in a company, which is a separate topic, how to interview to make sure you're in a company where people are approachable and like the, like what you experienced at BBN and Akamai. Um, and to show, you know, interest, it's not, you don't have to be, um, I know Cloudflare used to use the term ninja. I don't really like, you know, the 10X and ninja and wizard, but, you know, you don't have to be the most super wizard who created the universe. Um, if you're curious and, and learning people generally in the, in the field want to help you, but right, right. people often come from an environment where um, 
you know, where it's more hierarchical, whether it's family, uh, cultural, whatever. So um, separate topic. How do we, how do we, you know, encourage that? Something I talked about on the last podcast with, uh, with someone. So. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have a, you know, complex home network. I don't have a rack in the basement, you know, where I need to set up, you know, separate subnets or whatever. It's like, so I just have my, I just, you know, whatever the stock, you know, Fios install is. Yeah. And uh, so, so I'm not even like, I, I'm not even, trying to get my hands dirty with doing something weird with that. Well, but it could be learning about, about anything. And sometimes the people, well, I guess the other thing is that you let your nerd passion fly about different topics. It's a way of connecting. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the thing that someone is most, um, you know, most, uh, most connected about. I remember, uh, I don't know, 10 or probably 15 years ago at Nanog, um, I was watching, um, one of the great ones, um, uh, Steve Bellovin, um, you know, the, the original Cheswick and Bellovin Firewall book and Bell Labs. And he was, I was like hovering as one does. Uh, he was talking about something suitably nerdy to some other people. And then he turned to me, he's like, so Avi, my, my son thinks that I'm not enough of a nerd because of you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't what? know he knew who I was. <laughs> I didn't know he knew who I was. Um, you know, I guess maybe he saw an analog presentation or something and then I didn't, and I was like, what, what are you talking about? He saw me play, his son saw, or oh, no, right. they, they're playing poker on ESPN, you know, for the World Series. And, you know, it was like, hey, geeks can do that. And, and I guess Steven said, he said, he's a nerd, you know, he does internet stuff. And, and so, you know, I mean, there's many things you can, you know, connect about and, and talk about. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I often describe myself as sort of a mile wide and inch deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that helps me, you know, I know enough to be dangerous yeah. in many cases and, uh, but that does help me have the conversations with a variety of yeah. different people across the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people find you if they, uh, have something they're curious about, um, have a tip, um, just, um, do. best way to find me probably is, uh, D Belson, D B E L S O N on Twitter. Um, or I have my, my, my website, which, uh, you know, collecting links to what I've written and stuff, uh, that's dbelson.com. Um, so probably the best two ways to, uh, to find me out there. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm, uh, Avi Friedman on Twitter and LinkedIn and Avi at Kintic.com. And, um, thanks all for listening to Network AF podcast. If you like it, um, um, uh, please subscribe and tell others and David, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining Thank you for having me.